0: You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter.
1: Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 11, episode 52. I'm John and I'm joined by Scott. How are you doing? I'm good, John. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, yeah, I managed to avoid going to football weekend, so
0: so it's all good then.
1: Well, fifty-fifty.
0: Talbot won, but the other team they never no, Aberdeen don't win these days, do they? Uh, it's it's out of fashion to be honest. It's good that you tried. You stole the manager for the club directly above you just to try and fight for ninth place. I mean, it's a a bold move.
1: Yes, it's
2: very very funny.
1: Oh, who's that? Oh, Aaron. How you doing?
2: I'm fine, other than the football rubbish. Two terrible games in the last week, so um, yeah, not ideal. Aye. The only good news about being at the Scottish Cup is we get a little rest on Saturday, so that'd be nice. I'll probably just do something actually fun. Well,
1: you're not going to Banks of D? Like Remember you said you going to go and watch Banks of D?
2: If I could manage, I said I would go, but that time, unfortunately, has not arrived yet. But when it does, I'll be there.
1: I'm mm, waiting for you.
2: Well, I need to know what the pie situation is, so someone's going to have to fill me in on that.
1: Twitter. just asked to Twitter I'm sure you'll find out I've not been to Bikes a I don't think for the game you stop anyone no no. no. You I had you... a
2: pie on um, Wednesday night by the way
0: Wednesday
2: Town Castle
1: oh yeah
0: I, I was just trying I was just trying to think of what Aberdeen game they didn't win was Wednesday I couldn't remember which one it was
2: yeah so. but one of the ones we didn't win yeah thanks for that Um, it was an awful pie
1: Awful, well, as in like the stuff you get that no one wants to eat. Well,
2: actually, it potentially could have been. It was a Donner pie, and it was not pleasant. Oh. No. Very dry, would not recommend.
1: No, we don't want a dry pie. Uh, but we'll cheer you up here, and we've got not one guest, but two guests on tonight. It has chewed milk. Which is good. So, first of all, Graham, or and us, as a lot of folk will know you. How are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, eh? It's good to have you on, finally. Um, I think we were trying to get it sorted for a while, so it's good. And um, we've got the date, perfect for you as well. Partner in crime. It's planned it well, planned it well. Um, and then we've got the best McNeil in the household. Julie, how are you doing?
3: Oh, controversial. Yeah, I'm really good. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Good to have you on as well.
3: Yeah, you too.
1: I hope Paul's not, like, in the background, like that. would
3: <laughs> <laughs> be bursting through the door at any minute. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, he's probably not happy with us as well for like my might not be bored actually, the fact that our manager married us gone because it's not really working for us.
3: Oh, he's absolutely gutted. He loved Jim, to be fair, but these things happen.
1: I think everyone loves Jim.
3: I know, he's just one of those men. In fact, I bumped into him in the street, you know, when you've seen them so many times you think they're your pal, and I was like, Hi Jim. My kids were mortified, you know, because I was just like over friendly. But he's just one of those lovely guys in team.
1: You're very lucky to have him. Yeah. Um, so, before we continue, Graham, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit in terms of what you do for those that don't know?
4: Yep. Uh, my name's Graham Brown. Um, I founded what we call the Hamden Collection, um, and it celebrates and promotes um, the three Hamden parks and everyone that, that played on them. So, basically, the, the entire history of Scottish football can be traced through the roots of the three Hamden parks. Um, We do loads and loads of stuff, which I'm sure we'll cover um, to try and promote the game. Um, The beautiful game and the beautiful Scottish game, because it's the world game that everybody plays. So usually start off something controversial, like saying something like that. And uh, yes, three and a half billion people play football because Scotland gave it to the world. There you go. Good start.
1: So I'll start with the first controversial question then. Do you talk, because I've heard you talk a lot. (laughs) Do you talk more or less than Lindsay? From Glasgow football, too.
4: Yeah. <laughs> That's a good controversial question, actually. I'd actually think we'd probably be a good go, go at the world champions for the minutes, words per minute. Um, a tag yeah. team, a tag team, we, we, we do actually make a good tag team. Um, but yeah, the uh, I do talk a lot, I talk loads of good stuff, though. You can, you kind of have to roll with it and go, um, as long as it's good stuff. I'm sure you'll tell me if it's not, but yeah, yeah, no, Lindsay, Lindsay talks a lot.
0: Having dealt, dealt with Graham in the past, I can assure you, he talks a lot, but it's all passion and it's a lot of stuff that you don't know. Um, you think you know, and then you find out that, that you only know a kind of nugget, and then Graham just gives you the full the full boon, everything's just laid out for you, and he's it, 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 a great storyteller as well as anything else, so I can vouch for Graham.
4: No pressure, Graham. Thanks, Scott. Top fan.
0: <laughs> well, there you go, Murray
4: will be in the post there, girl
0: Yeah, I was going to say,
1: that. <laughs> but its way, big man <laughs> See, I feel we might be in for an education again Like when Derek Ray was on, it was just an education we had him on We're just listening to stories, so that's what we're expecting tonight as well um, Now, Julie, for yourself, a wee introduction as well For those that don't know you already
3: Yeah, so I'm Julie McNeil and I'm the Poet-in-Chief for the Hampton Collection So I'm in charge of um, three poetry collections for Hamden, um kind of chatting the games. We've got one for the men's game, one for the women's game, and then we've got a kind of voices of like the young people, children as well. Um it's all football-themed poetry. A lot of it's about the history of Scottish football or maybe matches that people have gone to, but it's a brilliant job, brilliant collection. Um the stuff that Graham's going to talk about tonight will absolutely blow your mind. I mean, it has mine. It's just been such an education for me and it's a story that we just need to be absolutely shouting from the rooftops. So it's a pleasure to work with him.
1: If you want to say things about you, Graham.
3: <laughs> it's because I'm a
4: nice person.
3: It's, right? a, it's, it's early days, to be fair. Don't,
4: don't. <laughs> I'm sure you'll find a weak spot in there somewhere. Somebody will say something about me. But, uh, what about your football, football
1: team? Like, who do you support?
4: Oh, you see, here we go. <laughs> well, it's always a good start, that one. Um, the mighty blue Brazil. Uh, and you don't find many of them. They're actually quite a rare breed. So, yeah, cow and beef. But I'm a fifer, so, you know. I grew up in the I grew up in the 90s, well, I was an 80s child, but I grew up in the 90s where yeah, either supported Wraith Rovers because they beat some Glasgow team in a in a cup at some point. Fernland, um was the second team and some of my pals already supported that. He didn't go near Methyl. So there was only, and there was no such thing as Celtic Harps. And my mum was from Bilingary, so kind and beef it was.
1: So did you go out to football one week and then the stock car race in the next <laughs> <laughs> you, you know
4: about the tyre tracks that were through the middle of Central Park because of the stock <laughs> car racing going wrong at the weekend. Um, Actually, do you know what I didn't go that many games? But just just it's funny because when you start to follow a team, you don't need to be there all the time. When I moved through to Glasgow when I was 17. So I didn't really, you know, I look out for the score lines and you know, follow our brilliant position at the minute, propping up 41 other teams <laughs> in the EFL. <laughs> um, you know, it's quite it's quite it's quite a it's quite a position that and uh, trying to avoid the trapdoor of football. But um yeah, no, you know, Beef. Through and through.
1: Scott, you remember going to places whereby there was motor racing and also football?
0: Uh, no, because I used, my dad back in the day used to film the Speedway uh, at Shawfield, but it was after Clyde had exited Shawfield, so it wasn't kind of on par with each other, but we did. So every Sunday I used to go to the Speedway, yeah.
1: And they're still linked with uh, football, because they based from Ashfield now.
0: Yes, yes. A uh, we would be long gone from, from Speedway before they moved, so um, as everything, it was a kind of acrimonious split when uh, people want more money than they, they, they deserve, so uh, but no, not, not not the two together.
1: be interesting if you had that at the same time, wouldn't it? Like, you know, I like to say about half time. Oh, so, so,
0: there's, so, there's a game going on while there's also a speedway meeting going on, so you're, you don't know where your eyes are going to be. Oh, but you that could have a preview
1: thing. at half time, couldn't you? Like, a wee preview, every like 15 minutes at half time, you could have like the bikes going round.
0: Yeah, have you seen the amount of ash that that creates? <laughs> so, I think the ones in the front row, the fans in the front row, might not thank you, and uh, the groundsmen probably would not thank you either, to be honest.
1: No, I remember I used to go and you used to come back and you'd just be covered in shale, like just red stuff all over your, your clothing, no matter how far back you went. Um, I don't know if anyone else has ever um, experienced Speedway, but I it was interesting. Just in terms remember. of interesting football grounds, which I'm sure we're going to hear plenty of tonight.
0: Uh, can I also say uh, Julie's a kind of secret uh, Twitter ninja, because I was on, I posted that I yesterday about going to Kirkcourt Cemetery again, and I wanted to find a couple of different graves rather than the, the main ones I found the first time and things like that. And then so I found Joseph Taylor's and then Joseph Taylor's great grandson, uh, Craig Colin his, Colin, and you to see. and I knew I was gonna get it wrong. Colin then contacted usually me. Usually Ray.
1: you get the C things right as well. Well <laughs> know. C
0: certainly, certainly <laughs> see one that I really get it. Right. Uh, but he so so he contacted me and it was really interesting. Julie then popped up and said, "Oh, Colin wrote a, a poem about his great granddad. Sent me a link. Didn't tell me it was like three quarters of the page down. So I'm reading all this marvelous poetry that I wasn't Brilliant. expecting that to." Was so exactly that book. was exactly what I was That was the plan. That's <laughs> totally what I was going for. Brilliant. So we'll, get, we'll send the link um, on the podcast uh, Twitter as well so people could see because that was lots of great poetry. I think it was the build-up for the Euro 2020 but a lot of it still kind of is relevant in terms of especially especially uh, Collins because obviously that's from way back when so it's, it's still uh, it's very once you you kind of go to the grave and you, you read more about these players that you would never have dreamt of knowing anything about beforehand it just brings it a whole link together it was interesting. It's
3: these stories, isn't it, that just kind of creep out, as you say, and creep out of nowhere. So it can, you can feel quite detached, can't you, when it's just names and graves and things like that. But um, Colin's amazing. He's got such stories and mer- memorabilia and, you know, it brings it to life, doesn't it? It's brilliant. It's
0: great.
1: Just when we're talking interesting football grounds, Erin, what's the most interesting one you've been at?
2: Um, interesting, like... Abroad, interesting or here, interesting? Uh, Scotland. Um, House Muir is pretty old school. Quite liked that. Our growth was a bizarre one because it was like 27 degrees, a beautiful day in July, roasting, really nice. And then I got there and it's a wind tunnel, just specifically in that stadium.
1: You should be used to that at Pitordry, to be fair.
2: It's nothing like that, It It's bizarre. Um, I didn't realise that was like a thing. And then people did say, oh, it's really windy but it is mental. Like, it's like they've got a wind machine they just put on in the stadium. It's nice, though, and I'm hoping they come up.
1: Did you have a hat on?
2: No, it was July. It was 27 degrees. It was lovely day.
1: I, I know, but I wear a hat no matter what temperature. enter. It. I wear a hat, hat in the house. Right, exactly.
2: Yeah, but you've been told about that.
1: Aye. It doesn't stop them, unfortunately. It does stop me. Same as Josh. Josh likes to eat a hat in the house. Well, that doesn't make it cool, does it?
0: I wouldn't go looking at Josh as your inspiration for anything to be honest he's a bit weird I I think I was doing
1: it in the podcast before him so it's all right. he's inspired by me it's fine it's fine Josh Uh,
2: inspired you to cycle to Hamden?
1: (laughs) No especially not after drinks
2: Well what game was that after was that the Israel game? before the Israel game?
1: Moldova I'm pretty sure I think but maybe it was Israel whether it was... No, if it if was I, Moldova,
2: because I was really late for his you remember timing was horrendous for me.
1: It was a big mistake. Cycling to Hamden would be all right, but cycling to Hamden after you've had a quarter bottle of Buckfast and some beverages, not a good idea. He actually lost... I think that he almost lost the bike that he'd hired or he couldn't get it unlocked, and then he was trying to find another bike, but eventually he got it sorted. However, unlike a lot of people in the Moldova game, he actually saw the goal, because um, a lot of folk got in late that day, so... Who is the daft one? Maybe it's not George. So oh, yeah, it. It's usually Josh, To be fair, I feel this is what this is what happens if someone's not on the podcast, they get more abuse than what they would have if they were on the podcast. Um, so, Graham, most interesting football ground that you have been at. <laughs> um, do you know as a Scott,
4: the burnabout, right? And I was. At the, the I was at a Spain Colombia friendly and I was through with work. I was in work. I was well, work in Spain because that's what a job I do. But, um, and underneath the stadium, the, the heaters came on to heat the crowd. And I just went, This is I was like the old railway stations. You know, the heaters used to get in the. In the in the room, you know, where you would um, sit waiting for your train and the overhead heaters come on and heat the stadium. I just think that's magic. I mean, it was 10 o'clock at night, it was a bit cold, and up popped the, the heaters to actually heat heat the fans. I thought that was I, genius. Aye, but what's a bit cold in Spain
1: 10 o'clock at night? It's usually still about 19 degrees.
4: <laughs> I just thought it was genius. But what? No, it's a spectacular, apart from the heat, this is Scottish side, um, but a spectacular stadium. I just thought that it was just when you walk up to it and it's one of the old school stadiums where you're walking through the, the you know the city streets and suddenly you go, All right, that's a that's a football ground. Um no, I just loved it. That'd be mine.
1: Right, okay. Seeing as you've given a European one then, Erin Gears one, European one that you've been to, because I know you wanted to talk about a European one more, maybe.
2: Um, no, not necessarily. I like um the Allianz was quite cool. And the new camp was cool in theory to have been there, but the game was rubbish. Um, Rijka's nice, actually, although I had a bad time there before. Do you know what, actually? not known... a
1: cage. It was a, it was a, it was a cage, almost. All yeah, it's in. a nice
2: place, though. Um, not European, but also not Scottish. Um, quite like Burnley, actually, was really cool. It's like nice old fashioned. On Stanford Bridge, quite like. And on Wednesday, I'm going to the Etihad.
0: I don't oh, Well, well such kind of get to banks D, the, but Betty Had
1: she's Aye. already up for it. Eh? That's it. That's probably <laughs> easier easier to get after Medumba, isn't it? Manchester, you know. It
2: is, you're right. It's um 5-0 though in the first leg, so probably gonna see the reserves, aren't
1: I? I don't even know why is it Champions League you're talking about?
2: Yeah, Champions League, it's 5-0. Ah, I don't
0: know what that is. Um so, so you're not going to find out up so at Aberdeen either so don't be worried well no Aberdeen
2: have deliberately decided not to qualify for the Champions League next year because we don't like the new format we thought this, um, shouldn't be condoned I mean next year's alright the format's alright next year it's, yeah like, but we want, want to take a stand
0: we've
1: got to take a
2: stand now because if we win it you automatically qualify for next year so we can't risk that happening.
0: I heard that you've had a real fall in it with UEFA with some of their practices and you don't want to qualify for Europe at all next year because of that
1: we don't want to play football anymore, <laughs> never mind qualifying for Europe.
0: Uh, oh,
1: don't because it's take getting, up a different sport. Like maybe it's getting worrying, isn't sport. it? Ah, we'll be fine.
2: We're going to be in the relegation playoffs against Denny McInnes' Kelly. Oh,
0: God.
2: <laughs> that's, that's the <laughs> dream. <laughs> oh. Tremendous. So, no, I'm going to see some... Well, I, I do think after it being 5-0, it might be the reserves I get to see on, on Wednesday, sadly.
1: What about yourself, Julie? Most interesting ground that you've been to. Um, I have one inside of Scotland and Dan outside, if you want.
3: Yeah, I, I, I've been to the new Camp and it, it was amazing. I went on a school trip, actually. So it was the first kind of big kind of international stadium that I'd seen. And I, it was that feeling, a kind of vertigo, you know, because you'd not been in a place like that kind of size and scale before. And... Um, I like quite liked Sunderland's ground. We went down to we followed another St Mirren man, Jack Ross, down to Sunderland and went to a game there. And um, I quite liked their ground. It had a nice, it was good chat and um, had a nice kind of atmosphere. Um, Paul will kill me if I don't see St Mirren Park for his Scotland. <laughs> <goal in laughs> so I'm going for that. Is that like <laughs> yeah.
1: interesting? Like that kind of interesting?
3: Aye, we'll go for interesting. Did you go to the o- It was interesting go- against Hearts. That was the last game. Graham and I went to it. <laughs>
4: kebab pie the month what was it the pie of the month was like you're just talking about donna Donner pies it was kebab pies and my mate barry was with me and he he went back for a second week, oh they so do
3: have good pies they ran out. They do. And the pies are good at something.
4: In. did you go to love street julie
3: so yeah i did go to love street yeah yeah like you, love street
1: you prefer that to the new stadium yeah i think yeah. so i think so I don't think there's just, many that would say that the new stadium is better than Love Street, would they? Yeah, I know.
3: No, it was. It's just all the history there as well, isn't it? It's just, aye, just a great place to go. And it was nice for me going for the first few games there, because Paul used to go with his dad there and his, you know, his granddad there, and all, so it was all that kind of stuff as well. So it was just, aye, it was a great place to be.
0: Scott, what's yours, actually? Uh, uh, it's Probably taking us all the way back in a kind of circle, but Catherine Park, and in terms of you know, it's a ground that you actually walk about. You know, I'm, I'm from Rotherglen, so I used to kind of walk and take a ball and just kick about out because you just think you're in a stadium with you know the terracing that was that's there. Um, although kind of even when it's overgrown, it's just this eerie kind of football ground that it just it's like playing playing with ghosts, uh, really is. And uh, Mary Hill was always I, I, I turned up there for a filming and was taken away by the fact that it's so high up the stand mm-hmm. because there's just big wall and you know playing football I wouldn't like to run into that big cement wall um, that they've got there. Um, that's quite broad, a
1: lot of that though at that level in terms of walls at the side of the stand. Yeah,
0: it's good for filming. I tell you that much. It, it helps us because yeah. we're we've got high position straight off. Uh, abroad the dra- I went to the drag aisle. that was nice in Porto but my um, stag weekend we went to Milan I saw Inter Milan versus Rome at San Siro and that's just again it's like a wee bit like the the kind of feelings you get at Catherine Park it's like tradition and as if you're ghosts and you know it's that was great. But I think that's I think that's what it's mainly about um when we talk about our kind of favourite crowds. It's the wee things that we pick up on and the kind of memories that we we get. Um Julie's talking about Love Street it's a good link between her and you know extended family and things like that. it, it, it creates certain things that you just can't get anywhere else sometimes. So I think, you know, a ground and it, you do, you speak to, to Graham about first hand and, and I, I mentioned because I got married, uh, I said this to Graham, I got married in the hotel directly across the road from the, the, the Rose Garden with the number 10 and I mentioned the fact that uh, everything has to be put down in football to me, even across the road was the first ever Hamden, mm-hmm. which nobody knew in my speech, nobody knew that that was the first handing. And then I, I, I speak to Graham and find out so much more. It was unbelievable. It was just crazy the amount of history that was actually there that so many of us don't know enough about. On that point, then, Graham,
1: how did you get interested in the history of the Hamdens?
4: Uh, yes, yeah, so um, like I said, I'm this boy, lived in lived in Glasgow for umpteen years, um, and I've lived in the south side for probably the last 17, so it was in Battlefield actually um, and used to go on the train from Mount Florida down to town and me and my wife would be on the train and, and you go past the little bowling club and you look up the little street that is Kingsley Avenue you go, one day, one day it'd be brilliant to live there, wouldn't it? Because it's just, you get that picturesque, you know you've got the bowling club, Rose Garden this lovely sandstone set of tenements that overlook that and we went, that'd be nice one day and 2011 managed to finally two two flats came up in the same block on one Kingsley Avenue, which is right at the top of that, and um, we moved in. Um, and you're thinking this is brilliant, you know, you're overlooking beautiful rose gardens, um, this wonderful bowling club looks uh, picturesque called Hamden, it's called Hamden Bowling Club. Fine, and uh, about five months after I moved in, we and literally got us, the the door went at like. Uh, only only a bowling club would do this half nine on a Saturday morning, rings the entire like set of eight flats. Obviously, fastest finger first, whoever gets to the door first. So i um, jump up, oh you know, literally get the intercom, and it's in Hamden Bowling Club here. And I'm thinking, brilliant. Hamden Bowling Club wants to come and tell me why it'd be wonderful to come and join your club. I'm thinking, great, you know, this will be a good warm welcome. Went down the stair, opened the door, and there's two folk. Yeah, can we come in and leaflet your clothes? Okay. Yeah? Okay. Do you want one? Mm. Yeah, there you go. And literally on it was in massive letters across from a dear resident, use it or lose it in big size 36 font. And it was literally them saying that a warning saying, due to lack of membership, due to lack of committee, it nearly shot at the last AGM. So you've just spent a fortune in your flat. You're getting told that this will become either derelict, <laughs> folk will move in, and you'll never get rid of people that you don't want, or worse, your beautiful view will disappear because they'll uh, bulldoze it because this is Hamden Bowling Club. Right, okay. So <laughs> that's where it started, by complete fluke. Uh, and and the, the first time I went in, they sat me down, and I walked part an OCS. Three pictures. One was the first in Pavilion, which was built in 1878. Two, it was the first Scottish Cup final in 1874 with Queen's Park, 1-2-0. So that's the photo of the squad with the Scottish Cup, first Scottish Cup sitting at their feet. And the third one was a place card, which was a Wanderers versus Queen's Park, 1875. And it has all the, you know, the different coloured socks, because depending on your position, your different socks uh, tops, your, the tops are all the same, but your cap and your sock distinguish where you were on the pitch. So I had that place. car. thinking, what the hell is this? And they sat me down and they said, Graham, this is Hamden Bowling Club. You're on the site of the first Hamden Park. And uh, um, welcome. Do you want to join? And I just went, what are, they, what are they on about? I said, Hamden Park's up the road. You know, it's half a mile. I'm, I'm a Glenworth's boy, right? But I've lived in Glasgow to know that there's only one Hamden Park... You have to remember the scene, right? These, you know, um, you know, these are committee members, you know, telling this story and saying, come on, son, listen, you know, you need to believe us. And they basically said, we're, we're called Hamden for a reason because we're on the first Hamden Park, but we have one incredibly difficult problem. And I said, what's that? And they said, no one believes us. I said, well, that is a rather difficult issue. And they said, well, we can't prove it. And then basically from thereafter, joined up, and if you've ever worked, if you've ever been as part of a club, you go through the ranks. So you go social member to full member. Someone gets you drunk one night and suddenly you're secretary the next morning. Um, treasurer, bar convener, house convener. Um, and just work my way through being Hamden Bowling Club. And literally, the from the moment I went in and heard that story, I was hooked and proud Scott, mad about our history, hate the fact that Scotland doesn't rave about it enough. We built, basically built the modern world and no one knows because they just go, because we don't tell anyone and we just go, well, surely they know. And that really stupid sort of backwards sort of thinking that Scottish if you don't cringe. tell anyone, you just assume that people will know it. Sorry? Scottish cringe. It's I a think. Scottish cringe. It's definitely a Scottish cringe. And and it's like, and they were like, well, no one believes this because we can't prove it. um, And... And you'll see, you know, the the the, the change was twenty sixteen, been banging on, banging on about it, trying to get people interested in the story. We had Radio Scotland in doing a doing a lovely half an hour documentary. It was lovely actually because they were recording some of the members' thoughts about you know as a bowling club, and then we quite tied in the history. Um, and then twenty seventeen got really, in fact, twenty sixteen Boxing Day got really scunnered at my in laws as you do over Christmas, and you kind of go, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to go and try and find this proof. This is it. I'm gloves off. I'm fed up with all these people digging in the wrong place and not believing the bowling club. And then um, went rooting about to find, there was two clues to the first Hamden Park. One, it was in the shadows of Hamden Terrace. So if you know where Hamden Terrace is on the top of Prospect Hill, if you ever, you know, yes. we knew it was in the shadows of Hamden Terrace. That was in Richard Robinson's book. And the other clue that it gave it said the railway went right through the middle of the park. That's why they had to move to go and build second Hamden. And nobody knows that Second Hamden exists either, because they think it's Cathkin and they think it's Turblanak, forgetting that there was 20 years of history before that. But anyway, we'll come back to that. So that was the only two clues. And if you went into any ordinance map, you could not find a trace. So you can go into the National Library of Scotland, find all these maps. Um around that area and unfortunately the first Hamden only existed between 1873 and 1883 it was only there for 10 years so it missed the ordnance survey on the other side of 73 and missed the ordnance survey on the wrong side of 1883 therefore it wasn't listed and because it wasn't listed and because you didn't have a map no one believed them and they just had been told through history and the bowling club had continually told this story that this is the first Hamden Park this is the pavilion above your head is the first Hamden pavilion this is the Scotland changing room and that's the England changing room which I always found funny because it was the ladies toilets so you know they literally pointed you through and said that's the ladies toilet that was the English changing room however the pavilion was it w- wasn't always here when it was a football ground it was in the corner of the Rose Garden that's where it was we've been told that from the very beginning uh, and Basically, I went hunting for the district railway logs, which, you know, they built a big railway. It's one of the first municipal railways in the world. And I found out that it was in the National Archive. So I wrote away to National Records of Scotland. Lovely woman called Jennifer Rosers. And I'm really crap with names, really terrible names. right? But she wrote back to me, Jennifer Rosers wrote back to me and said, we've done a search for you, Graham. I basically said, find anything between Mount Florida and Crosshill that references a football ground, Queen's Park, said there's bound to be a survey map or something. And they sent me through two maps. And of course, it was such groundbreaking that they went, we can't email you because that'll break our copyright rules. So we've sent you in the post. <laughs> this is uh this is uh this is something that's been sitting there for a, over up you now. This is 2017, so 112 years the bowling club's been telling this story, and this is in the post. You know, it's proper old school, right? So sent through the two um, through, through this big envelope A4 envelope, and I was like, I'm not opening this myself because uh, I thought I need to find somebody that that I can have the conversation of what if it's not? <laughs> what are we going to do? We've been telling this story for so long. Um, and we opened the envelope, spun round the maps, got it all on video. It's a true fake or fortune moment, got it all on video, because I walked the three Hamdons that day, because I'm like, I'm going to do this in style, so it's a YouTube video 15 minutes. bit like Scott, you know, that old amateur, you, you know, getting the, my me's amateur, Scott's really good, but uh, literally opening these maps up, and there it is, first in Park, proof, you know, the grandstand, and the best bit of all was it proved that, the pavilion was in the corner of the Rose Gardens, which told them that 112 years of just passing—we're talking about generations passing through generations and generations. These guys held on to the belief that they were right, and they were right, and then that was 2017. Uh, and the really funny and funny year was the about three years, three two years later, we put a mural on the wall: Scotland five, England one, and. Um, took a lot of a lot of stuff. I, 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 um Ashley Rawson, who designed it, picked that out of nowhere. That result. He just went, I'll find a really good result to make this stand out. Graham, you've got to go bold. It's a hundred foot mural, right? We've got to go bold. We're going to make a statement, prove out the story, we're going to do it. Got it on the wall. And about three months after it went on the wall and fundraising it, got it all done. And I went rooting about for the video of me discovering the map. And of course, I get to the end of it and I forgot, I tied in a little outtake and it spins to me and I was really hungover that day because I really was worried about this whole thing, right? So I'm sitting there hungover going, on this day, Saturday 11th of March 2017, we finally discover proof that this is indeed the first Hamden. This is the world's first purposefully built international football ground and then the mural was Scotland 5, England 1 on the 11th of March, 1882. Both were Saturdays and both were 135 years apart. In complete karma that Ashley chose that. And I didn't realise until about three months after the mural winner. So, and we're 2022. We're in
1: 2022.
4: 7th of and March, as we record. Yeah, as we record. So the 11th of March will be the 5th anniversary of the map discovery uh, and it was funny I was listening to um, Paul Murta the other day who's the archaeology Scotland and he keeps using words like only Graham would do this <laughs> which is which back to that story it me like to talk a lot so on St Andrew's Day last year we launched the campaign to make Football Square Mile a UNESCO World Heritage Site and Football Square Mile is the world's biggest open air football museum because it's got Scotty's favourite stadium in it as well as three Hamden parks, Old Cathkin, Rangers' first match, which was at Fleshers Hall in Glasgow Green, um, St Mary's Church, RC, which is the where Celtic was born. Um, you go back to Cathkin, uh, the sort of Third Lanark days. You can go to East Howard Street, which is where um, Third Lanark had their first meeting to form a football club. Then you go the other way, and it's good, Scott's been preempting this. You go Third Hamden world's biggest football ground at its time by 1903 and then you scoot and you've got Queen's Park which will become fourth and i I'm on a campaign for them to call it 4th that just really annoyed people but if you could they called it the fourth-handed <laughs> and finally get it built try and get Leanne to do that and then you go to the other end which is where Scott was at the, the weekend which is Cathcart Cemetery which has every I'm going to mention this one every Scottish professor that you ever want to talk about, including Joseph Taylor, who played in the first international all the way back in 1872. So <clears throat> you have that all in one space. It's free. Scotland gave football the world, to the world for free. This is the world's biggest open air football museum, and it's free. It's in Glasgow. Um, massive mission to make it a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And, of course, you're in the year of the first international football match. And the 150th anniversary of that is this St Andrew's Day. And so many people don't know that Scotland created the first international football match, because that, that actually the official one, because, and I say this on my tour, England tried five times and failed five times to create international football. Scotland did it once, and every World Cup, every Olympic Games, every Euros, every international match can trace it back to Glasgow. And that's, that's
1: insane. I kind of feel like if Harrison Ford ever, like, puts his hat away, we've got a new Indiana Jones here. Uh, I want to
0: know what what Grave likes to drink, because every story seems to end up him being skinnered with something. He's he's (laughs) been absolutely, (laughs) you in it. I like
1: whiskey, Scott. I mean, how how bad was that Christmas Day for you to be a a way explorer on Boxing Day? Too many bags and blankets?
4: Do you know what? See when you get so like you have to remember this bowling club was sitting on what well, the archaeology guys is Willy Wonka's golden ticket of archaeology, and only fifty people believed them. That's that's amazing. These guys literally preserved the most important football ground in the world, bar none. No one beats it, and these guys basically looked after it, and then they've. F- Everyone found out about it, and we got page 16 on the Scotsman about 100 words. So the story of the first Hamden is it laid the template for every football ground ever built. You know, grandstands, season tickets, Mm -hmm. turnstiles, you know, the the offices, the pavilions, the way that it was set up, 20,000 people. It was the world's biggest football ground because there wasn't one. England played in cricket grounds. In Kennington Oval, Bramwell Lane, people think Bramwell Lane's a football club, a football ground. It's not. It's a cricket club and a cricket ground. So you go back in time, there was no such thing as a football ground. And there's the plucky Queen's Park, we've no mentioned them yet. The most important football team of all time. Important, important, Not you can go on about honours and everything else. But Queen's Park built that ground in the other two Hamden's. I remember
3: my kids going down to see that when the archaeology guys were doing the dig in the Rose Garden and finding like the original centre spot and wee bits of metal from the, you know, the fence around and the turn. And it was just, I mean, their eyes were like, you know, I mean, this is, this is, in people ask me why I write poetry about football, but this is, this is such a story, isn't it? It's a story that everybody needs to know and kids need to know in school and, everybody needs to be talking about, don't they? Was there yeah, lot of
1: football do. played at Clydesdale Cricket Club as well?
4: Uh, so you... Oh, yeah, so you're you, you going things? to go into another thing. <laughs> 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 Every football club, apart... The founding members of the Scottish Football Association, all of them also were cricket clubs, Aye. apart from one. It was Queen's Park, where the only non... Only one of the football clubs that weren't actually a cricket club first and foremost. So if you go back in time, and Richard, uh, Richard Young, who does, if you ever want to read a book, read his book, it's As the Willow Vanishes, and he talks about how Glasgow, this will blow your mind, in Glasgow there was over 1,000 cricket clubs before the turn of the century, the turn of the 19th century. Cricket was massive, and it was only after the First World War that it all died, not died out completely, but so, you're, so the cricket, Clydesdale Cricket, Clydesdale we we're a, we're a a football club, and it was Clydesdale that Queens Park beat in the first Scottish Cup final, two yeah, Well Blame the English in for All this
1: I think, because it's not a Scottish game. I think cricket.
0: You'd be surprised. But Germany, there was a lot of um, gymnastic clubs that were then sprouted out with football clubs and stuff. It was like gymnastics was the kind of first thing um, back in the day in Germany. So. And uh, I know athletics was always big in Scottish football as well. In terms of the, the players, were all kind of in athletics clubs, so, so we're all they're all linked somewhere. I actually, Do you like
1: cricket it? It has to be said. Like I wonder, people to actually like cricket, but
4: the the athletics one's really interesting. I don't know if you saw that. You know, Rangers are celebrating the hundred fiftieth this year. So uh, there was a guy called Hugh Barrow who his claim to fame is he run the 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 the, the mile in four minutes and one second. Right, he got very close, right? Brilliant athlete. And he said his his best moment was running round Hamden. He used to do the athletics festival at the Scotland England game. So Scotland played England at football, but they also had the athletics events. And he said running round Hamden with 133,000 Scots cheering you on is insane.
1: See, <laughs> <laughs> on the subject of the athletics track at Hamden, right? Chris asked a question, and this is a, a popular answer that quite often comes up. In terms of Hamden, if you could change one thing about it, what would it be? Current Hamden—that's the uh, both of you, Julie and uh, Graham.
3: I presume you mean in Big Hamden, Third Hamden. Yeah. <laughs> um. uh oh, the price of the tickets, maybe. <laughs> I, I think you know my some of my great memories of of Hamden are going to. Like, I've got um, a son and a daughter and going to the women's games at Hamden and a lot of the tickets for the women's games were given to um, young kids in grassroots clubs and things like that. So we're trying to fill the stadium and, you know, get a kind of support behind the team. So um, I do think we need to make it a wee bit more accessible for and even more kind of family-orientated sometimes at Hamden. Um I think it's a phenomenal stadium I love. I love going, I love going as a family, but um, I think there's probably more we can do.
1: I think it was certainly mad before this campaign that you would have canals to like, 20,000. Surely yeah. you could give tickets to the schools or clubs, communities, to make sure it's full.
3: It was uh, It was lovely, though, because my, my daughter, so, the, like, the Jamaica game, before they went to France, we went to Hampden, and there was 18,000 people, right? And there, it was most... it was. Lo- loads of girls there and loads of girls clubs and and um, loads of grassroots players and their eyes were just you know watching these heroes on the pitch you know just watching these role models and being able to be inspired by them was just a brilliant atmosphere and i, I think probably there's more that we can do to kind of harness that
1: i guess when the, when Hamm- Hammonds feel it's unbelievable atmosphere like folk always say oh the, the atmosphere is rubbish you know like you can't be the Hamden for like when it's a full capacity and it's like quality games. Like some of my best moments have definitely been at Hamden. Supporting I Scotland. think
3: it's like spine tingling. Like the Hamden roar is a thing. It's a real thing. You know, it's like it's it's it's, it's I think it's a magical place.
1: What about yourself, Graham. If you were to pick I, thing you could
4: change about Hamden, what would it be? One thing I would change. Um there's so much said about it being too far away. But I always come back to that, that people who haven't, at Hamden with a with a, only a quarter a quarter full is a is not a great experience in the sense of compare it to when it's full blast. But when it's full pelt, and I've been at the last few quarters, you know, when we, we beat, you know, when we've won the last couple of games, Denmark, at the end, the place is utterly jumping No one cares how far away you are for the pitch. So I think that's all. I think it's, it's the fans that make a stadium. It's the noise, and I think you're right. I think in being Saint Mirren, it's a cracking stadium. It's really well laid out, but the soul of Hamden you cannot buy. So whatever you do to it, keep the same principles of it. Ball shaped It's a sunken. Day. The new camp, right? The the new camp's sunken as well, right? Because it's the way it's been built. So I, I actually don't think you change it. I think what you do. You might bring back some of the kind of safe standing, just to give you a bit, a bit back of that sort of thing. Possibly, it just needs a complete facelift. Um, and actually, it needs to be a stadium that serves everybody. I don't think Hamden does that. I think it's, I think it, I think it does well as a, you know, it's brilliant for gigs as well. I've done loads of gigs at Hamden. Um, I'm pretty sure if. I don't know if the Jerry Cinnamon is coming back to Hamden, but that was the one ticket everyone went. Oh, that'll be amazing! That you know, you go into that, and I've seen loads of different acts there, YouTube Bon Jovi and stuff. Show my age, um, but yeah, I, I I don't think you I don't think you have to tinker with it too much. I think you could rip it soul down if you built. I was at Wembley, and be honest, I didn't like it. Um, no, I can remember much of it because it was Scotland, <laughs> Scotland England. But waskey, you know, didn't like it. it's a whiskey, always vodka. There. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you you literally, I, I I think football grounds and you mentioned all the ones you mentioned are the old school football grounds that probably still have a bit of Archibald Leach hanging about them that you can go in and and even like you know the 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 main stand at Ibrox, right? It's a work of art. Why would you ever want to tear someone like that down? And you can't rebuild that. So I, I, I think too too many folk just want to rip stuff down, rebuild the whole thing, build a solo stadium that has na- nothing in it apart from it's comfy. Well, do you go to the football to be comfy? I think you do.
1: you go for the fee. It's interesting how you mentioned hybrids, because I actually passed it, was it last night? Or there are night, at night time, which I've not really seen like really be really lit at night when no one's about. And you look at it, it's like a museum. Like the front, is like a museum. Like all the style you see, but all the museums in Glasgow, that's what it's like.
4: They, they are. I think football grounds should be landmarks that people go. You know, you you can you should be able to walk round a football ground and go quite like that. Whereas like even even the new Murrayfield, it's a stadium, right? You walk around it, it's always the same all the way around. Whereas if you go to Hampden, at least you're kind of plotting your way around it, and you kind of going, right. This is you're in these streets and. You know, you've still got at least they didn't when they ripped down the main stand. They they rebuilt, <laughs> rebuilt it so you kind of had the feel of the old towers and stuff. I I just think there's too much. People just want to just tear it all down and reset. Ask a Spurs fan, they hate the new stadium. Yeah, I was down London. They hate it. It's not, soul. it's not, it's not what they had. They like, think, they like that I've seen the old stuff. I think with Hamden,
0: it's totally what Graham said in terms of. Atmosphere and it, teams create the atmosphere, you know. And we've not had a, a team to really get behind and to excite us and everything else. But nobody can tell me the last two qualifiers, those games did not just just send shivers up your spine. I, we, we all discussed it on the, the podcast and on the, the group chat. Just how amazing that the atmosphere was, and that's what it is. It's because we kind of. T- I was lucky enough; I can remember, you know, the last time that that happened was probably when the Holland playoff against the Dutch. Uh, May have happened against the French actually. but we, against the Dutch, we stood up for the full game, and it's that kind of that kind of game, that kind of team that gets you to stand up and get you saying the full ninety minutes. That's what it's all about. I don't really care about oh the, the seats that comfy or this that or the next thing that should be secondary to it all. The one thing I would improve, if it, at all possible, would be the fan experience at hand. In, that in terms of what they offer to eat, what they offer that's different from anywhere else, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the seat, the actual stands and stuff. I think that's just people who haven't seen a Scotland team before, like a, a, tr- a true Scotland team that they could get behind or are probably too used to the, this new kind of stadium that we've all been getting in terms of, you know, these huge arenas and things. And, you know, I think Hamden's better the way it is. It's
2: actually yeah, is not it? that bad. It's
0: not as bad as people say it is.
2: It is a little bit far away from the pitch, but otherwise I think it's all right. Although I'm not going to accept that Ibrox is fun.
0: Uh, that's because you're an Aberdeen fan. Ibrox is a stunning, in terms of, Architecture in terms of you know when you go inside it and things like that. Not the actual belly of it. The belly of it's like, it's like a, a leisure ground almost. And um, last time I went into the, the kind of bowls of it, but certain rooms. And um, actually, when you step out and look around that stadium when it's empty, it is a, a, it's a lovely sight. And it, I, obviously, I grew up a Rangers fan. It's got nothing to do with that. You know, I, would, I you know, going to any stadium, to be fair, if you go to any stadium, it does look a lot better, I think.
2: I don't like it. I hey, Maybe
1: the inside, but the outside is nice. I can't even admit that. You, you, regardless of how you support you can say
0: something's nice. Yeah. Oh, is, 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 is it not grey enough for you? Is it not grey enough? Is that like, the Aberdeen's no, no enough granite? Aberdeen, you know, Aberdeen's <laughs>
2: one is lovely right beside the beach. Big kind of him beside the beach. What I will say is Hearts, actually, you get a nice view from Hearts Stadium. I'll give them that. See, look at that. It can be... Kind of out stadiums.
0: the stadiums. the only place that I went to the toilets and there was no roof and there were seagulls flying above me. I don't know what was oh, happening.
2: Atmospheric, it's brilliant. Lovely. <laughs> Did you have a pie when you went there?
0: Uh, I must have done because I was very young at the time, so I would have had a pie every game I went to. They're
2: not great at I will say that. To be fair, I will admit the pies were poor.
1: See the thing we Hamden, you know, like uh, Scott, we were talking about after the Israel game, that experience, we are lucky enough to be old enough To remember Hamden being packed atmosphere, sinning Saturday kickoffs, tremendous. That was the thing I think as well that was key about the Moldova game, the Israel game, and not just the Saturday feeling, but everyone I think we on the podcast last night that night it'd been for games for years, and Troy said that's the best atmosphere ever at Hamden. Well, I took uh, a lifetime
0: for for Denmark. I took um, my nephew who's twenty two, and that's. And he's a Celtic fan, and uh, he was saying that was one of the best atmospheres he's ever been to. And that because that's the, that's the first time he'd been in and seen Scotland in a potent game, turning up and actually performing well. And all the fans, you know, they just absolutely pushed the team on those two games as well. You know, it was a bit of both. We support the players, and the players give us some a reason to support them. And it, it's, it's the biggest difference in terms of creating an atmosphere and. How people judge a stadium. Yeah. I know Julie, you've got kids
1: as well. Mm-hmm. It's, remember, the remember thing I remember as well was seeing all these young kids like sitting, dancing, I mean like, we just having didn't... the time of their life.
3: Yeah. We just didn't leave. So that the I mean, the the Hungry game as well, um, because that was a last minute win of the the women's team and then with the Scott goal and the Israel game and I mean, we just didn't leave. So, like, the game ended and the music was still on and the kids were dancing. And it's that experience, isn't it, as a family or as a fan, you know, that it was just... I mean, they just won't ever forget it, I don't think. You know, it was just fabulous.
1: Imagine we get to the point where, like, for Scotland games, it needs to be bigger, capacity-wise. That would be good.
3: That would be
4: good. Imagine the rule then,
1: eh? <laughs> It's hard to imagine, like in old Hamden's, that the fact you had like over a hundred thousand people, like and a wee
4: bit more, yeah, I a wee bit more. Aye. The capacity, the cap. Right, what, the, what do you think the capacity was? There's a good trivia question for you. Mm. Capacity of Hamden at its peak. We'll go for one hundred forty-eight thousand. Anyone else? It's always good to have a quiz question. Aye. Aye. One hundred uh... <laughs> and fifty-five thousand. Hundred and eighty-four and a half thousand was the peak capacity. The world's first all-ticket match is Scotland v England. Hundred and forty-nine and a half thousand people turned up to watch it. It was 40,000 people in Somerville Drive didn't get in. You imagine in those days, you didn't buy a ticket before the game, you turned up, you wait your turn to go through the turnstiles. And and I've read I've read some of the newspaper articles, the Celtic Aberdeen game the following week. It's 147 and a half thousand the following week for the Scotch Cup final, and the guys saying they got so far and they heard the turnstile click shot, and then and uh, it just travelled back up to say we're not getting in lads, we've come all that way get all the way to Somerville Drive, and it was literally first first in, that was it you were in so, and that's that's when you go why you know the hand and roar and where does it all come from, you imagine. I mean, if you if you were at the Scotland England two two game, that the noise at two one, I'm surprised I can still hear actually because the noise that day was just insane.
1: I don't know if I want 184,000 because I'm thinking like half time it's hard enough to get a pie with like 50,000. <laughs> so 184,000. I, mean, they move? <laughs> I don't know, like I think folk never moved to go to the toilet. Um, no. Some of the stories that you heard as well.
0: Don't wear, <laughs> don't wear jackets with big pockets. That's what I heard because they'd soon fill <laughs> up. <laughs>
4: And that's, that's where the story of the Hamden Road comes from. Uh, Scotland, England, 1929. Um, Alex Sheen, uh, is it Alex Sheen? Alex Jackson gets injured in the first half. It's nil nil. He's got a broken arm. He gets whisked off to the Victoria Infirmary. Alex Sheen scores direct from the corner kick at 89th minute. Scotland win 1 0. No one had to go and tell Alex Jackson the score because he heard that in the Victoria Infirmary half a mile away. And he knew Scotland had won. And that's where you get the Hamden Row from, and it's that—that's insane because even if you've done, I've been at with ACDC concert. I was in, I was in Queen's Park, going bloody hell. That's proper loud, you know. So if you, you know, and that's probably the maxed version of of loudness, right? <laughs> because they go mental. But you max out that stadium; the noise travels for miles.
2: My stat about Hamden, I'm not sure if it's actually a true one. You know, sometimes you like hear a stat and you think, I'll oh, I'll save that one up and then you're like, I
4: oh, know oh, oh,
1: true. Gamble, gamble.
2: Well, yeah, but if it's not, then someone can tell me and then I'll know, won't I? Then we'll have some education on the podcast. I think the quickest goal scored at Hampton was an Aberdeen player. Oh, Aberdeen so- player. No one knows, so that's brilliant. Okay, excellent. <laughs>
4: You can Not, just say that's it. That's
2: correct. You, you can, can be the, you,
4: yeah, you're the authority now. That's the answer. <laughs> I think it's, okay. I think
2: it is, I think it's, I think it is Adam Rooney's goal at, against Hibs in, Scotch Cup. Oh, in the Squatch Cup. 9.7. the
1: final
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. 12 seconds. Not the quickest in the competition, but the quickest at Hampton, I think. I mean, I'm sure someone on Twitter will be along to tell me I'm wrong. Yeah,
0: there will always be somebody.
2: I'm sure it will be a man. But
0: <laughs> We do have the
1: use of Google. We probably could find that out. Like,
2: I'm happy to be corrected, like... but I think that is correct, and that's quite a good start, isn't it? It
1: is. However, that that game... What's that? Uh, that's I don't know.
2: Well, that game was fine. The next one wasn't in that competition, yeah, so we'll move on like, now. There's no yeah. need to talk about that again tonight. <laughs> no. I don't understand why that gets brought up every single week.
1: Exactly. Let's change the subject. Julie, how did you get involved in doing the poetry then with Anders?
3: Um, So I'd been writing poems about, um, well, loads of different things, but I started writing about the kind of journey, the women's team journey to the World Cup in France. And I'd been sending poems into the Hamden collection at the time. It was Jim McIntosh was the poet-in-chief who wow. is a brilliant poet and was the poet for St. Johnson Football Club, put in residence there. Um, so I was sending in poems and they were in the collection. And then when I went to France. Um, I went to Paris to watch the Argentina game and I was writing poems about that. And then a few months after that, I think it was Graham and Jim asked me to kind of take over the women's um, collection. So I was looking after the Scottish women's collection for a while. And then that kind of evolved. um, And I started up the collection for children's voices because there was a lot of, um, we were kind of going into lockdown. And there was a lot of kids that weren't getting to play football. There was a lot of kids that were involved in kind of grassroots clubs and they weren't getting to go and watch their teams and they weren't getting to go and play football. So um, we were collecting kind of memories and voices and trying to connect people really through kind of words and poetry. So um, that was just brilliant because we got loads of great stories and it was great for kids to be able to reflect on and um, how they were continuing with the clubs through lockdown and how they were continuing kind of connecting to their friends and connecting um with the sport that they loved as well so we started up that week collection and then earlier what was it kind of november december time graham will keep me right um jim kind of retired from the Hamden collection and he asked me to take over the three collections so i've been doing that just for the last kind of couple of months
1: so I think I was talking earlier about Indiana Jones giving up his heart. I think Jim's maybe got his heart when I look on Twitter. <laughs> uh, so Jim's actually got a question for you.
0: Can, oh, has he?
1: Can poetry about football change lives?
3: Well, I mean, I, I it's changed my life. You know, it has changed my life. Um, I mean, I write poetry about a lot of different things, but there's not many things in the world that encapsulate so much as football so I mean I know Paul's been on your podcast before and talked about that football literally saved his life I think and um, it's as it's as blunt as that really but I do see how the sport um, changes lives every day I mean my son has a struggle at school he's dyslexic my daughter's dyslexic they both have real challenges and they live for the kind of stuff that they do outside of school and for my son that's his football you know it's his football clubs and it's St Mirren and that connection that he has with um the community and with people around him and a sense of feeling kind of good about yourself and um you were talking about Joseph Taylor earlier and these stories are things that need to be captured and for me I think the best way of capturing these stories is through poetry because I think that that can tell the story in a small snapshot um, and it can be recorded forevermore. And, and we need to capture these these snapshots. We need to capture these stories. We need to capture the, the way that football can can change things and make people feel.
1: You only have to look at like when it was during COVID and lockdowns and how much it affected everybody in terms of not being yeah. able to go on football, even watch football on TV. It was massive. It flawless.
3: was. It was huge. And the kind of poetry that came out of that and the things that people were saying at the time, you know, it was quite powerful. Do you, do you want a wee poem about lockdown?
1: Aye, definitely.
3: Give you one if you want.
1: Aye.
3: <laughs> um, I wrote this for one. Um, the Whistle, it's called, right? The only for outdoors ball thuds, smacking off the freshly painted walls. A FIFA-induced din and despair and a floor strewn with match-attacks collectibles. The small boy laps the garden, arms aloft. Executing his first croif turn round the and pole. His dad teaches him Archie Gemmel 78 for PE. Strips pulled over jammies, navigating mops of hair, socks long forgotten, get your daily dose of air. The referee blew time and the world held its breath. But on the sidelines, nothing really stopped. One man helps another up. Rainbows appear everywhere in chalk and paint and packages on doorsteps left with care in place of hugs and being there. The young girl lays out cones around the kitchen and balls up socks to play. The boy laughs on Zoom at pictures of his teammates as new babes and the ball rolls on from home to home across the globe. It sprinkles hope as we find new ways to be together while we hold our breath and wait. And that was pretty much our lockdown experience. It was these new connections, like mostly through football. You know, it was the brilliant things that community clubs were doing to keep training going through Zoom. And, you know, it's the hot. fact that football was going on, it was just going on in a different way. My daughter was balling up her socks and rolling about in the kitchen. And, I mean, it's it's magical. You know, it's a magical sport. And I think it's it's made for poetry, you know, these moments are made for poetry,
0: aren't they? Now I don't know how busy the two of you are, right, Graham and Julie, but you could surely come up with some sort of plan to go into schools because you know with learning using football to learn more about English and your poetry and history is the ideal sources at certain ages to then make sure that they carry on for the rest of their lives, interested in books and writing and history and archaeology and everything else, and you could use football as a real kind of ground source to actually keep creativity alive? Well, definitely. I
3: mean, there is some good work going on in school. Stephen Watt, who was the first kind of poet-in-chief of the Hamden Collection, who's a phenomenal poet, has done has done a few wee workshops in schools. I think Victoria McNulty's done some as well. She's a great poet. Um, the the children's collection that we came up with, um, we've had loads of schools involved in that. But yeah, there's definitely more to do. I think um, people need to write about the things that they're passionate about, don't they? And
4: yeah,
3: um, for a lot of people, that's football. So I think
4: I think as well. Yes, we're busy, but. The Hamden Collections, all volunteers. Spell it you guys, you know, it's all volunteers. Well, we
1: get we
4: get paid. We get paid. You get, you get paid a lot. No, baby. no, no. no. <laughs> but you know, you look at I just been dead lucky because I'm just brass necked enough to ask, you know, pester Stephen Watt enough to become the first poet in chief. Um, and then Jim Jim took over, and then Julie. I mean, that's three, I'm gonna argue, three of the foremost poets. And Thomas Clark as well, and we've had him contribute to the collection as well. But you know, those folk are, are the top, you know, the pre- Premier League of football poetry, right? And we've been lucky enough to have them. And then you see what that generates. We've got, I think, Julia can't remember the last count, some 117 poems on the website, right? You don't need to go and buy a book, you don't need to go and get a leaflet. You can go and look at them across three, three, four strands. You've got the poet, the poet and chiefs collections. Then you've got you know the women's national team port say, and again it does relate to drink, so I'm not an alky. But Jim Mack got really annoyed, and he loved this. Tell me this, telling this story, he got so fed up that the Scottish national team did not have a port in residence going to the World Cup for the women, and he was raging. He was just he was like, I can't believe that they can't get you know someone on to actually do it. And literally, it was a conversation along the lines of well, why have one? Let's have lots, Jim. And that was my idea back to him. And I love Dead Poets Society. And I was like, let's just have a go. And the whole idea behind this is where it all started. The Scotch Women's National Team Port Society is the world's first national football team poets society. It's the first. And the whole point of it was when the women were on the on the trip round France, that people would put down in words what they were thinking. And you can chart their way around France through the poems, yeah, you know they start off in Nice. I can't remember where they went after that. Julio keep me right. It was at Paris twice, yeah. but it was I was in Nice, and then they end up in Paris. And the devastation of the three old draw with Argentina. There's some of the poems that are written about that. There's the Scotland England game, which was in Nice, which is I was at, and you can track what happened. And mm-hmm. in fact, we got a poem that was submitted the other day. It was all about Italian was it? yeah. Italian <laughs> yeah. Guy wrote it down and went. This is this. Is, I was a. I was something like I was a wee, um, a wee lad, spotted lad back in nineteen ninety. And he tells you the story of Scotland playing in the World Cup in Italia ninety. Yeah. Now unless you go and read it up, but you can read his poem and go. All oh, right, they did play Costa Rica and thought they were going to thump them and didn't they?
0: Uh,
1: Do you know what I mean? That,
4: up <laughs> like that. Come on. that was oh. an aid memoir, right? Just because the boy wrote it and we were looking at it this week. So the power of poetry. Is, is more, and, and, and Jim and Stephen and Julie will always say this, you go to a major tournament, if they have music and they have a poem and they have a video, like Mr Scott here, that can be so powerful. That's what sends shivers down you, you know, the, the build-up videos to, like, big games. They are, and if you get a good poem, oh, it's just off the scale.
1: See, on that subject, as I always say about music, that the, some of the best music is written out of pain. Yeah, Julie, do you find that with poetry when you're writing like I think like it's a bad about passion. Uh, yeah, a, a positive- it can be
3: passion or pain. I think you know. For me, it's about it has to be about something you're passionate about. So, um, yeah, a lot of the poetry I, I write is is grim and it's about things that are difficult and you know pain, as you say. But also, I mean, the majority of the poems I've written has been since my children were born. Um, And it's just this outpouring of like, I don't know, you want to make the world a better place for them, but also you want to um, record these moments because you feel like you'll forget them because it's so quick, you know. Um, So a lot of the poems that I write about football is, I mean, the first one I wrote for the Hampton Collection was about seeing the women's team through my daughter's eyes. She was six at the time, you know, and the poem that I sent in at first was about It started not yet six, she half sticks, half stands. You know, It was all about her vision of seeing these women in front of her. So, um, yeah, it can be pain. But for me, it's just, it has to be something that you're passionate about.
0: I I suppose with Scottish football and poetry, if you talk about pain, usually hope's in there at some point as well. So it's always a kind of counterbalance, uh, especially with Scottish football. So I suppose it's, you've always kind of got that, that, one 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 seems to follow the other, um, somewhat. It does,
3: and that's what I like about football. That there's always like, I, I wrote a poem about like kind of always coming back to the centre spot. You know that there's always a chance. See, as the clock's still running. There's always you know. However, however, I mean my my son, you can be five goals down, and he's like, "Hi, but there's three minutes left, Mum." You know I mean, it's just like <laughs> there's always a you know there's always a chance. It doesn't matter. Um how fantastical the chance is. It's if we can ke- still keep coming back to that centre spot and starting again. I think it's a good message, a good metaphor for life, really, isn't it?
1: That's that's that is optimism, definitely. <laughs> I like that.
3: He has he's a St. Merrim fan, he needs to be optimistic.
1: <laughs> I, I think just as Scottish people, yeah, like as you say, we're very good at blind optimism.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: it's good. It's not going that. Now I've got some questions from followers. I wish I'd thought of this one myself, actually. I, might ask you, I think we'll go for everyone for this one. If SFA were to have three statues outside Hamden, who would you pick? And that's from Craig at Football Kit Memories Podcast, who was on, was it two weeks ago, Scott? Uh, I think it was. Yes, yeah, two or two, two,
0: three weeks ago, yeah. So, so Who's going
1: first? I don't know, we could go alphabetical, couldn't we? Aaron?
2: Um, that's a bit hard one, actually, isn't it? I would have Alex Ferguson, Derek McInnes and Jim Goodwin. I, that's like,
1: it's, it's, like, I can see one of them, maybe, but outside Hamden. Jim Goodwin. I like Jim Goodwin. I like Derek McInnes, but outside Hamden? Come on. Yeah, what's wrong with
2: that? I'd quite like to see Jim every time I went
1: to <laughs> Oh, I, aye, aye, aye,
2: See? <laughs> I think he'd look lovely in a statue.
1: When Jim Goodwin was announced at Aberdeen, I said... Most of the comments on Aberdeen's social media were from women going heart-eye heart eye emojis, to be honest. I was delighted.
2: Finally, tw- quite, we've quite got a, the most attractive quite a few manager of the men, in the league Quite a
1: again. few of the men were doing heart-eye emojis as well. He's a handsome man.
2: Yeah, we've got the most <laughs> attractive manager
0: in the league again, finally. He's more handsome than Martindale, is
1: that what you're saying? Oh, come on. What's wrong with you, Davy? Yeah, I don't
0: know what I'm saying.
1: That's disgraceful. Right, OK. Graham? No, wait a minute. Aye, Graham. That's right. <laughs>
4: I'd have three statues, but I'm going to cheat a little bit. So, the first one would be David Witherspoon and Robert Gardner. And you'll go, Who the hell's that? Uh, they are the two that stayed down after the first FA Cup semi final between Queen's Park and Wanderers. And they stayed down and they challenged England to a football match. And that's why you have international football. So, you'd have those two. Uh, Robert Gardner was captain goalkeeper, striker. What a magician. Uh, invented the box defence and all sorts of stuff. So they they created international football. I'd have Andrew Watson, probably about 100 high. Oh, he was high. one of mine. Stealing. he's one <laughs> of mine. <him. laughs> is what your
1: material? Sorry. <laughs> I'm saying, is this what you do? Steal Joey's material?
4: I do, aye, all the time. Uh, Andrew Watson, because he needs to be about 100 foot high. Uh, you know, world's first black international footballer, world's first black footballer, forget the international bit, captain, scuffed England 6 1 on his debut. And here's a funny stat for that one, right? That 6 1 win inspired women's international football, which I didn't even know until I was reading up on the next one. And because of that 6 1 win by Scotland, they then came back, came back up and held the first international football match at Easter Road, which was the women's first international in 1881 and then the third one has to be Rose Riley and Edna Nelson. Oh, I knew you were
3: going
4: to say Rose Riley <laughs> you, need, you need to have Edna because without Edna maybe you know Rose would have done loads of stuff but the two of them going off to France and then I don't think Edna maybe came back and Rose went to Italy but you, you, everyone needs to know those two stories you know it's like who, who's the only f- Scottish footballer to win the World Cup no one has a scooby what you're on about and you're like Okay, keep trying, go and look it
1: up. Her stories at least get is getting told more now because you see it on yeah. like different programs or the tour as well. I know yeah. Lindsay on our tours had Rose Riley at the end of the tour, hasn't she? A few times as well. Yeah. so we, we throw her in as
4: a Scotch professor, but not of the Victorian kind,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, Julie, then
4: well, I
3: had Rose Riley and Andrew Watson on my list, but I can bump them if they've already been taken. <laughs> um, Jim and I used to always talk about having a big statue outside Hamden of Davy Marshall's left hand. So I'd quite like to see that.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I'd probably go, um, I need a woman, I'd probably go with Julie Fleeton because she's not, she's scored 100 goals, hasn't she, for Scotland. So she would be, she'd be up there. Um, I'll go for Davy Marshall's left hand and. Maybe a John McGinn for my son. That's his
1: favourite. John McGinn's bum?
3: A John McGinn's bum if I'm going for <laughs> David Marshall's
1: hand. That, yeah. I'll not... leave
3: Julie Fleet in hollow. She's
1: got
0: herself. <laughs> <by> <laughs> uh, right, so I'm going to try and name three that haven't been named then. So I'm going to go with John Smith first. He scored a hat-trick in that. Was it the 5-1 game he scored the hat-trick? Greenham?
4: You know yes. Yes. Yeah. That, it, it, so, it's but, John so, Dr. John Smith. Dr. John Smith.
0: Dr. John Smith. He also played, did he not play for the, the Lions, the rugby?
4: The rugby? Yeah.
0: He's the doctor. He's an amazing guy. Uh, you know, so to so score a hat-trick against England, worthy well, of a statue. Um, and then, probably Dennis Lawley's arm up and Jim Baxter doing kp-uppies is probably... Only because, you know, I, I would have Rose Riley in there, but she's already been taken, so. What about yourself, John? I don't know. Like, let me think.
1: Not just because he's a kind of friend of the podcast, but Craig Brown for his achievements in terms of what he did with Scotland, getting him to tournaments. Kind of like underrated. He's always underrated by a lot of people. So I think Craig Brown would be a good contender. Uh, who else would I go? Let's see. Ones that haven't been mentioned already, Kenny Douglas would be there. Um, Third one. I'll think about the third one and come back later. Just what I think. Because there's a lot of good names we've taken already. Just now. Lindsay from Glasgow Football Tour went with John Hamden, Rose Riley, and Alex Shane. That's where our pricks
4: were. she answered the question on Twitter from Craig. you got the Hamden You've got a few a few important ones in there. Some good ones. It's good though. we've got lots of names that we can think of. The, the question is name a statue at Hamden. Oh, right. That's right. There aren't any. Yeah. Uh, that bugs me.
3: Lots of space oh. for new ones.
4: Lots of space for new ones. I don't <laughs> even know if they put the Andy Robertson mural back up. Oh, well, they took it down for, a year, for year, the Euros. Year. Yeah, I turned my head in as well. What happened to the
0: Andrew Watson idea? Was that just a kind of
4: smokescreen type thing? Was that ever no. serious? It, I think the thing is, the thing about Andrew Watson, so the mural, so we've got two murals in Glasgow now, which is brilliant. Two more murals than we've, than we've had. So you've got the one in Shawlands, you've got one on the back of the, the bowling club. Um, I think it's expensive. So somebody's going to have to, you know, you know, if, I, know I remember, um, Jed going on about, you know, doing one in George square and it should be a hundred foot high, but, um, which would be brilliant. Jim Mack and I have always, Jim Mack's on a mission to get one in the Rose Gardens just as a wee one, just to at least have something that you can then, that you can then have, um, I don't, I mean, this is the mission behind the Hamden Collection, right? There's all this history. No one talks about it. You need places to go and see it. I always bang on the written word is important, poetry. The difference between this podcast and you coming on the football tour and living, breathing and walking around it is golf, right? Because, you know, you know, Scott, you know, sitting in the bowling club and going, can I to me? It's, you know. Scotland played here in the Hunt England 5-1, 7-2, Wales 9-0. You know, you just go, that's history, right? But you actually need to sit in it and breathe in it. And statues another way of doing it. Good interpretation. The mural, I mean, Ashley's design is off the scale. It's just yeah, it's stunning. utter genius. I mean, it's so on the... He always said, a uh, funny story behind the mural, right? If you if you look at it closely, Scotland 5, England 1, you know, first Hamden 11th of March 1885, You've got the big Andrew Watson, Charles Campbell either side. You've got Hamden Bowling Club at the other end, right? The weekend that we, f- that we finished it was the Russia-Belgium weekend, if you remember back in 2019, when we got beat a couple of times. God, uh, we were ready to go on the Friday. The only bit was missing was in the mural it had, on this ground. And Ashley went, you're not going. You're not hitting the big button, Graham, because it needs to say, on this ground. And he was completely right. Because you, if it was just a mural 5-1, you would have just gone, oh, that happened somewhere. But just for him to punch punch in on this ground says it's here. And that's an amazing bit of interpretation. And you just need more of that. And, the, and, it, you know, and people, when they turn that corner and they've seen the pictures of the mural and you've seen it kind of on pictures and videos and all the rest of it, until you turn that corner and look at just the size and scale... God knows how they did it. You know the size and scale of that thing, and kids seeing it, and every everybody that sees it just goes, "Wow, that's just a statement." So, so the Andrew Watson, there should be should be a hundred foot statue in the middle of George Square or outside Hamden, and folks should be coming from all over the world to come and see it. And it's a travesty that we don't sell. I mean, we lost the first Hamden. How? I always say that you know, as Scotland, as as the curators of the game, we lost our first international football ground and did they know where it was? Part for 50 bowlers.
1: think that comes down to politics though, in terms of maybe football is not that popular with politicians. Um, as such, in terms of the way that f- football community can be treated at times.
3: I think that's a, a fair point there. Definitely.
1: Uh, I've got my third person, by the way, if I'm having Kenny Douglas, then Gemma Faye. Most capped female player.
0: Good one. Good one. Google's helps helped
1: out there. i try to think who the most capped player was.
4: She sure, has a thin, in terms
1: of cap, 203 caps, do you think, like, the men's game, Like we think it's amazing if they make 100 caps, whereas there's, like, yeah, quite a lot of female players that are well over 100 caps. And then Jamaica is
4: 203, which is insane. Do, do, you know, the, it's so nice watching the women's game grow because I was at that 18,000 match in, Jamaica, in the, the game against Jamaica. But being in Nice, in a pub, and watching the veteran Tartan Army guys basically coming through. I think they had to go up to Belgium the next day and they had to do like an overnighter to get up to Belgium to go and watch Scotland and Belgium get, you know, trounced. But they were all there because they went. I might not see the men's national team in a World Cup. I'm here to support the Scottish national team. Doesn't matter if men or women. They're in the World Cup. I'm coming to see them. And it was. It was. I mean, Julie, you'd have seen them in Paris as well. Just, just to see the veteran Tartan Army. Didn't matter. Scotland were in the World Cup, and they were going. That was amazing. I was.
3: I was laughing because we got to we, that, we we messed it up, and we ended up staying miles away and all the rest of it. Hired this car, and we're driving into Paris and we managed to buy fluke to get a, a parking space like right next to the Parc de France. It was like, you could see it from where we were parking. We were like, brilliant. Paul's like, no, 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 we're not staying here. We have to walk 45 minutes that way to some park to meet the full Tartan army and then we have to walk back. To, and I was like, don't be, you know, it was like boiling hot. The kids are tired, do you know what I mean? I was just like, it's just, no. Marched all the way down got to this part honestly it was the best the best thing we've ever done it was just I mean Sheer was away playing football in the park there was flags flying there was bagpipes I mean it was just and then we all marched back to the stadium and it started to thunder and it was raining in Paris and I'll never forget it because the rain just poured down and everyone just started singing Flower of Scotland like arms in the air and the kids were, like, stopping traffic and everything on the way back. And it was just phenomenal. You know, before the game had even kicked off, you know, before a ball had been touched or a whistle had been blown, it was just, uh, it was just wonderful, yeah.
1: you imagine if you had, like, 50,000 folk marching from George Square to Hamden on the I day know, of the game? Well, that's great. That's that it's
3: for the 150th anniversary. <laughs>
1: it, it, always, it, it happens away. Thing for away games, as you said. You really, like, marches to go to the ground.
3: Home game,
4: that'd be brilliant. I know. Can you imagine? If you see the, it's on Alba, or Sony Bandy's one, uh, and he uses the the footage from France '98 with the Tartan Army going towards um, Paris or in Paris, and they're going towards the stadium, and it's insane. And that's that, so the the idea for so you've got the 150th coming up, St Andrew's Day mm-hmm. this year, and the idea is to have a Tartan Army march which will be the Sunday before the anniversary. So the anniversary is on the Wednesday. You're in the middle of the World Cup. Who would have thought that the 150th anniversary of international football comes out of Glasgow and somehow we manufacture a World Cup to be in the same, start in the same week. So I think it's the week before the World Cup starts. It runs. And the idea is exactly that, like John, to do a Tartan Army march from Queen's Park Recreation Ground. Queen's Park created international football. They organised it all. They fielded the first team. They gave the national strip all that great stuff about Queen's Park and walk from Queen's Park rec ground all the way to West of Scotland cricket ground and following the footsteps of the Scotch professors I who gave the world international football. And I've got a few mascots as well because Bella and Shea are up for it, which is awesome. <laughs> so me and Barry are definitely going to walk it. We've got, we're going to push it out there um, because that has to happen because there isn't a big enough St Andrew's Day march in Glasgow for anyway. You know, we go to New York to have a really big one. That's Minces. I think there's a really good one up in Byers Road that does a bit of Byers Road. But that's six six miles. And you walk football square mile and then go all the way up to west of Scotland Cricket Ground. And it'd be brilliant. Bagpipes, folk marching. It would be amazing. God knows how we organise it. Don't really care. We'll, we'll get to that small issue later. There's plenty of marches in Glasgow, so I'm pretty sure it can't be that hard to organise Aye, good well if we just going celebrate
1: in George Square, then you can have fifty thousand Scots <laughs> fans walking around.
4: I think that's fine. fine Aye, sense. and it's the Tartan Army, so it's no it's, it's good they're all in their best behaviour. There'll be no drink involved as well, obviously. <laughs> but that's that's <laughs> the idea. Because if you if you were because otherwise the hundred and fiftieth is going to go past you and folk are going to go, oh, right, some I thought it was some anniversary or something. But you need you need to make a hoo-ha and it's also the hundred and fiftieth birthday of the tartan army could going
1: so to be 150 years old. So basically, football knife. will come home when we win the World Cup. Football,
4: the go. Uh-huh. No, none of this. England football's coming home. Capa. Oh, who would
1: be the? It Scottish does come home. Bidil, who,
4: would, who would the Scottish
1: skidding and Bidi be if we were to get a, a tune on the go? Who would we have? Actually, <laughs> just off the just off the cuff. Who, who would we go with?
0: Is McCoy's not a good singer? He fancies himself as a bit of a. I don't know, I don't think you need that. to
1: be a good singer. I don't know. Well, but, but yeah, I mean, in the vocals.
0: Everybody loves Kelly McQuest.
1: What about Billy Connolly? Uh, it's, you
0: know, I don't like Billy Connolly's coming back from Florida I
1: bet I mean, you can. Like virtually now, you can sing. <laughs> do some kind of like
4: Zoom call. <laughs> With
1: the whole Titan Army.
4: <laughs> But it definitely needs to be that's the way to make a statement see it, and I laugh with Julie because I always say see it from space if you see 100,000 folk walking through Glasgow you would go, what the hell is going on
0: mm-hmm.
4: and and to be honest if you get it right and you and you sort it out right back to Julie's point, you, you've you got brilliant gathering point in Queen's Park recreation ground purpose built for loads of people west of Scotland cricket ground is a great exit point 'Cause you're you've got a big cricket ground in the middle of winter. So, you know, you've got two brilliant start and stop points. You know, it's six miles. You go through some you go through Cathkin, so Scott can stop and I'm I'm with you, Scott, by the way. I love Cathkin. I mean, as a as a football ground that's dead. I think it's it's amazing. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the ideas for trying to make a bit of noise around the fact what we what Glasgow did.
0: See with your, your tour and stuff, Graham, do you ever mention Mary Queen of Scots?
4: Uh, well, which bit of so yes, yeah, so have obviously Queen's Park is named after Mary Queen so of Scots, so we yeah. uh, throw that in. And she Army kind of
0: started they sort of. they were based at Hamden, so she's kind of like the first person to lose at Hamden. <laughs> So it's a <laughs> like I said, they were situated at the hill, which would have been probably where third-handing mm. is now, or possibly the bot the brow where second-handing is. So she's probably the first leader. So it's actually Blues. and that the ball was supposedly hers as well. So maybe it was a it was a woman who started off all the kind of everything that's good about Scottish football.
3: Oh, I'm I'm down for this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's obviously Queen's Park. Mary that decided to kick the ball. Mary, no, there's, there's proof that Mary liked you know playing football and watching football. Was it her diaries? Bi- I'm pretty sure.
1: I've read your blog on
4: it. It was very good. Yeah. So, the, the, I mean, the yeah the whole you know, it's exactly that Scott. The, the the heritage that sits in the south side of Glasgow is insane. You know, just the, everywhere you turn, you could tell a story. And I, and I know that's why Lindsay loves doing it. You know, she's, she's a storyteller. I, I love telling stories. Um, and back to that point, you can lace it all the way back, you know, and and it's brilliant because I had, we had, and you know, the, the guys up from Birmingham when we just went, you know, and this is another reason why England didn't invent football. Here's another reason why England didn't invent football. And this is another reason why England didn't invent football. And you just went through it and you just went, it's not to say, it's not to be disparaged or anything. It's just like, this is the other side of the story. And... And I love it because you kind of go, it's the proper Scotland underdog story. You know, to, proving to the world that Scotland did this is the true underdog story. Because again, we always start off the tour with who invented football. And if you ask 99.9% of the planet or 99.9, you know, what would be the answer? And just to start to to, to push that balance and actually go, now this is important, and people are starting to talk about it and is, is, is stuff like this doing the podcasts, the poetry, the art, the music, the fanfare, getting away with stuff that no other organization would try and even dare do, because you probably follow it with folk, you know, and just have a right go at it. Uh, and even the stuff like James McHugh does the supernova graphics, you know, the stuff we did for Keep Hamden Roaring, it made it visual you Know him being able to do his graphic design stuff is amazing because he just he can cap a bit like Ashley can capture something a little graphic that does take thousands of words to explain, but you get it. And I think that's getting access to these people. That's the privilege I have getting to meet folk that are actually just brilliant. See, so just I want think-
1: to talk about James quickly. He's got his new range out at ww.supernova Com, So make sure and check it out. We're coming up to summer and spring so there's caps, there's polo shirts, t-shirts, all sorts. You've still got hats and scarves if you have cold still. But the new range came out, I think it was Friday or Saturday, so make sure I get on, get involved and help James out. He's got some great gear. So just James, a wee plug, he's good to us.
0: Um, so he's become a good friend of ours as well. Why do you think we don't know the kind of history as well as we should in terms of did the English FA take on the narrative or did the SFA slip up in the t- in terms of just handing it over or, or were quiet for too long? Is it, is it kind of um, a wee bit kind of political in the sense that, you know, the, the English have told the Scottish kind of how to behave and stuff for so long that it kind of,
4: it's a wee bit like that? Um, I generally answer that, that it's Scotland's fault. You can blame lots of other people about telling a story harder than you, but then you just haven't told the story hard enough. Do you know what I mean? I, 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 that's generally how I answer it. Charles Alcock was a genius, and he's the guy that's basically the, the designed and edged-out Scotland overtime as the grand architects of the modern game. He just did it very carefully. He was genius. He cre- created something called The Football Association, he didn't call it the English Football Association. He called it the Football Association. So by default, as soon as you hear that, you go, "That must be the first one. That must be the most important one." That's what they did, and because they did that, and I and I had a good laugh with the guy from uh, Birmingham, and he was on the tour, and we're actually talking about uh, one of the one of the disasters, and it, um, I think they did a charity game down in Birmingham uh, down in. Aston Villa's ground and this was, the I think it was the first Ibrox disaster, but he, the quip was he says, Oh, well, why did they do that? I says, well they didn't build Wembley till 1923 he went, what do you mean? And I was like well Scotland had an international football ground for 50 years before England had one but does anyone even register that? But then they turn around and say Wembley's the home of football no it's no <laughs> by at least 50 years it's no never mind the other 500 years And I, and I think So where Scotland needs to turn the tables is to not convince 50 million English people that Scotland invented the game. They convince the 7 billion other people on the planet who are all up for, by the way, the Americans, we've got the Americans over at times, the Spanish, they love the Hugh McCall story, Italians, you go into, I remember somebody replying on a tweet, going to an Italian football museum and you will see the Scots littered about. They might not be fully prominent, but you watch them and see them. So, 7 billion other people we need to tell the story to. The Brazilians, the Argentinians, and Uruguayans play good football because the Scotch professors went and taught them how to play it. No other reason. No other reason.
1: No other... a way to solve it's... the economy. <laughs>
0: do
4: you know what? It should be the football, cap... it's the football capital yeah. of the world. It should be the football tourism capital of the world. And unfortunately, you know, and Lindsay's doing brilliant with what she's doing with the, the driving tours and the guys that do the Celtic tour and the Rangers tour. They're all doing loads of great stuff. Where football square mile is, I've turned it and using a bit of Charles Alcock's logic and went, mm, ah, we'll call it football square mile because everyone will then say, all right. And I'll give you the example. So on Talksport, and Julian was a story you might be heard, heard it at the time, went on Talksport, Hawksbane, Baker, is it in the afternoon? And they'd heard about the UNESCO heritage site and the, the bread for it. Now I'm going on Talk Talksport with the story about football square mile and how Glasgow invented the world game thinking, oh my, I'm going to get an absolute pound in here because they're just going to turn around and I'm going to get ripped apart and they'll have loads of stories and basically saying, here's this, Scott. If you listen to it, as soon as I start getting going, by the end of it, all they want to do is to say, that's brilliant. You maybe, They open it up as well. And says, You might have heard about it. It's Football Square Mile. It's the world's biggest open air football museum. You really need to get up to Glasgow and see it. And we've got Graham here. They're trying to get UNESCO World Heritage status and Graham's here to tell you a bit about it, three and a half minutes later, at the end of it, they just say, we can't wait to come up, we'll come up. Mm -hmm. So you don't have this. There's this natural thinking that England's against this. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. I actually think that's the media and other people, but, you know... The guys from Birmingham didn't come up and say Graham was talking rubbish, but there was one Scott in there who just couldn't stop smiling and grinning from year to year because he was the one Scott amongst the Birmingham lot just going, I'll Tell you. He just kept uh, he just kept turning around and said, Tell you, tell you, tell you.
3: It was the same <laughs> I think working, Graham. The... We did that BBC thing a little while back and with David Curry, wasn't it? And it was the same, it was really it was really well received, Dave, eh, the whole story and
4: they don't have a clue.
1: Get a TV yeah. series.
3: The, the, the Scottish did we,
1: media does not have a clue. <laughs>
3: no, it was just like a kind of one-off programme that they did on the BBC, but it was I, I was expecting I did some poems on it, and Lindsay did a bit about the tour, and Graham did a bit, and I was thinking we're gonna get Pelters here, but actually it was it was really well received, and I was scrolling the comments, and there was it was all you know, people are excited by the story. I think
0: I think again it's it's passion, it's um and it's fact, you know you know what you're talking about you can see passion in both of you when you're talking about your your subjects and and while we're we're, we are in a society that likes to bring people down I think we're also still of that way of when you see somebody talking so passionately about something and it's so natural that it just it just captures everybody and they, they want to then Hopefully, do the tools and send in their
4: own poetry and things like that because they
0: have been inspired.
4: That's yeah. why folk like Julie are brilliant because she's got brilliant poems that she can just read at a glance, say, Julie, that just inspire are you, people. Are you
3: queuing me up?
4: <laughs> said you wanted to read poetry.
0: <laughs> to be honest,
4: I think that, 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 that I'll, I'll be honest the best bit about the Hamden collection that was ever built is the poetry section by a country mile. There's loads of great stuff we do, but driven by Stephen, Jim, and Julie, and they're amazing poets. When you go through that, everybody who's anybody has is on that list. Julie, yeah. You think of see, who's. anybody. if it.
3: anybody's listening to this and want to make them into a book. I think they'd be a brilliant. They'd be a brilliant collection to be out there in the world because they do. They just chart the last. Well, not just the last few years of Scottish football because they go right back. You know, it's just. Um, and there's some international ones in there as well, and um, it's just a beautiful snapshot, I think, of the of the game and the passion. I think
1: you must get some belters as well from kids participating. Doing the kids poetry. are
3: brilliant. Yeah, yeah, they've they got the best ones because they just kind of depend on the age as well. Like the young ones, it's brilliant because they're not even bothered if it looks like a poem or doesn't look like. A poem. They just it like it is, so it's just. I think we had one that was just like Scotland is bra, Scotland is great. You know, just like, and it's just great. It's just from the heart. It's just exactly what they're feeling at the time. So it's, uh, the kids' ones are just like wee gifts that come into your inbox, aren't they, Graham? I mean, we just love getting the getting ones from the kids.
4: And there's some brilliant ones as well when they're like from age twelve. You know, like yeah. That's- I mean, some of the, the brawl, in, in, in Julie's brilliant term of the, the brawl words, you know, the Burns Bar doing the brawl words is brilliant. And it just, folk just go, all right, right brawl words, I right, get it. Off they go. It's like the stories, isn't it?
3: Just the stories about, um so there was one, I think she was 12, was it Maya who did one? And it was about a... a the family. It was about her parents, take, her dad's hassling her because she was late for training and getting her stuff ready and going. And it's just a simple story of the kind of grind that happens every day. If you if your kids are into football, it's all the standing at the side of the cold pitch and the packing the bags and the getting them organised and all that kind of stuff. But um, for her to talk about that at her age and appreciate what that's meant to her in her life and how that set her up for a life in football really is. You know, stuff like that that I love. Stephen Watt wrote a brilliant one about my dad's not a football fan, but I am. And it was the same kind of theme. It was like his dad hated football, but every Saturday took him to the game because he loved it. You know, so he used to stand by the side of the pitch, freezing, or he'd take him, it was an Aberdeen fan, take him up to Aberdeen and sit, freezing, eating the rubbish pies, you know, whatever. But he did it because he loved his son and because it was something that was important to his son. So... The collection captures all of that. It's not just the big, brilliant um, games which are covered. It's all the wee stuff, isn't it, that gets you to that point and makes people lifelong football fans.
4: And and it's because it's open to everyone. Anyone can submit a poem. No one should be fearful of it getting... There is a grade, because the guys review them, but anyone can submit it. They just go on the website and submit it, and that's really unusual. Julie, I, don't, yeah. I mean, there's always collections. collection. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a rolling roll submission as well. So
3: it's not like it's just open for like a couple of weeks and then it closes again. It's a rolling. So it's open all the time. And you can just, as you feel inspired, you can send something in. So,
4: like the SFF podcast could do one, couldn't they? I think between the three two, they definitely could do they?
1: I don't mind doing a bit of writing. I've not done a, I've not wrote for a while actually, but I could come up with something, I'm sure.
3: That'd be brilliant. Love that.
1: We might get you to do one of our landscapes uh, manscaped links as well, while you poem, that would be good. Okay. At some point.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um kind of like poems. What is your favourite Scotland football songs or any that you really don't like?
3: <sighs> I mean, the what the theme of the minute in my house is Yes, so we can boogie, if that we,
2: counts. We love that. And you are very welcome to the King Andy Constine for introducing Scottish football to that. <laughs> that seems to be the. We love it? him very much. <laughs> and we're only positive about him on this podcast. Okay, awesome.
1: I remember seeing Edinburgh, you know, you've got like the Scotland shops and yeah. the build up to the Euros. They must have had like about seven different versions of Yes, I can boogie just on that loop. <laughs> it was brilliant.
2: So good, I was thinking the
1: staff must be the staff have probably get fed up with it by this point. But going into the shop for a wee peruse, you were like, This is brilliant!
3: It's such a random one, isn't it? And it's just totally caught on, it's amazing. And that was the really one at Hamden, wasn't it? That's what kept us all dancing well after we should have gone home. You know, if they play that and flash a few lights, folk are just staying, aren't they? They're not going anywhere, yeah. The it's Denmark like the game was good
2: for that, yeah. And I think the Israel game was the first game I've been to at Hamden in ages where the stewards have said, look, come on, you really need to be leaving now. We need to get I, you home. I would have been with you then because I think we were definitely the last to leave. Because <laughs> well, they said the players all went round and that was all fine and it kind of looked like things were dying down. And then the same at Denmark. They did it again and they put on, yes, sir, I can book put the music on. You? Out, so everyone stayed. Yeah. It was brilliant after the Denmark game as well because that was the one where we didn't need to win and people didn't think we would and then it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah.
4: Where did feed from desire come from? It's brilliant, (laughs) right? But as randomly as that gets thrown up and everyone just goes mental, where did that come from? It's a Scotland. I hear
2: it Celtic a lot, but other than that, I don't know.
1: Will Grigg, it was a Will Grigg thing, wasn't it? Uh, Oh, Will Grigg something, it was, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: That's where it comes from. Sunderland. I think it was at Wiggin at the time, yeah, I think so. And then obviously Northern Ireland got to. given the Euros, and they adopted it, and then obviously you know it's like with football songs, if one person does it and he does it quite well, well I just give it, we'll have it ours. West Ham have,
2: have got a version at it. the moment for um, Jared Bowen. you heard it? Is it
0: mentioning his partner by, by chance?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And who's his partner? Danny Dyer. Well, Jared Bowen and Danny Dyer are
2: what?
0: <laughs> Not the East Enders, Danny <laughs> Not Dyer. Not the his man daughter. from
2: East Enders. Oh, daughter. the daughter. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah. right. John Smith.
0: Yes. Well, you baffled. You were
2: so confused for a moment there.
0: <laughs> You've never looked so old, John.
2: Yeah, Danny Dyer's daughter was on Love Island, and it's and called, she, also um, called
1: Danny Dyer. Like you I mean, I And James Yarderbourne
2: are now dating.
1: Is that in case you forgot her name?
2: <laughs> I guess. I think she's yeah, Quite cute, isn't it? Quite nice.
1: Aye. So, what's least favourite song? Mine's is Do a Mine is Do a Dear I, I, as well. I don't like it. I, I ever, understand. never liked it. It's
2: silly. What's it for? Stupid.
1: Is it? Or eighty two.
2: Well, yeah, but I like it's it not. Like it's not lifting. It's, it's no, I don't like uh, it.
1: I think it's silly. I think it's you. You still. I I, I always remember the getting signed when things were not going well, and like the old school people would like put it on and sing. And it just made it even worse, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> at least, like... At least, if, say, for example, we are playing a game now and we were losing, then you stuck your yes, second boot going, and people go, all right, well, we'll just get into it. Have we yeah. dance about But Do a deer just doesn't do just it. Just sit normal. back down,
3: cry yeah. into your...
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> do I think if there's any others I don't particularly like? You Any
4: you don't like Graham or Scott? Do you know, what? I'm struggling. I'm struggling if I want to find one to don't... I mean, do a deer... I, could, I suppose it's the ending. If you know the words, you kind of go, well, at least I can participate in this one because there's loads that you don't know. I love the Maradona song. I mean, the, the you know, the Maradona song is just at least it gets everyone going and everyone can can do it. So I heard that like. for a while, mind you. The what? I heard the Maradona song for a while, mind you. It's when you stand up, check it all about, you do. You don't it's you don't the, hear it okay. enough because I don't now. think you're brave enough yeah. to do it. But I've seen i I've seen a tweet of them going through what looks like a... Tr- it looks like either going up towards a passport. It's either an airport or a train station. And the Tartan army go through it and they start singing the Maradona song. And the guy's obviously got the mobile phone coming down the stairs. And just all these folk just go, what on earth is going on is this? <laughs> <by> Tartan <laughs> army right through the middle singing the Maradona song. <laughs> what on earth are these guys doing? I, and wow. I, keep look, try, I keep trying to find it somewhere. Because... I only seen it once or twice and I thought I wish I'd kept it because it's just genius.
1: So I remember the days when my son used to go and it was a halftime entertainment he enjoyed more than the football.
3: Yeah.
4: The songs. A bit of, so bit of proclaimers, bit of run rig. can't go wrong. Okay. Halftime entertainment.
1: Um this might be something that's linked to the recent games, but James from Supernova does ask, what are your favourite hand in moments?
0: Uh,
3: favorite Hamden moments.
4: Me to go first. I think Julio. no,
3: I think mine. I've got a few, but um, my first game that I, I really loved going to at Hamden was um, the Scotland France game with the Gary Caldwell goal, and I think that's the first time I saw properly felt. The haven't done raw. I mean, I'd been to games before that. I'd been to like the Germany game a few years before and various, but I think just the atmosphere at that game and when that goal went in, I think that's probably up there. And then the one I've talked about already with the women's team, the last game before they went to France, um, there was something really special about that. You felt like the whole country was behind the team and um, that was, yeah. That I'd go for those two, I think. They're my two favourites.
4: Can I? Um, funny story behind the, see the 2017, the two each game. So we, because the bowling club would like cater for Tartan Army fans before the game. And we had loads, loads in and it was brilliant because I didn't have a ticket and I was organising and One of my mates, Mike, had uh, come over from Edinburgh and he's the usual bunch, 20 folk and just drinking stupid stuff before the game. But literally the two days before that, he phoned me up and he said, eh, I've got a spare ticket. Do you want it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do I have to look after the bowling club the whole time? No. Because we were just going to watch it in the in the club or listen to it on the radio. And walked walked up to the game and I was right behind the goals. So I was probably halfway up that stand for those two free kicks. And I'll never experience anything like that possibly ever again. The, Bedlam, just the utter. I know it's two all. I've never seen such a high and a low. I think the, the three all. To be honest, the three all game at Paris with the women is probably as close as it's got. But the two each game, the place. I'm, I mean, people had lost what row they were in because they were dumping <laughs> about
0: so much. I didn't even know they
4: just lifted themselves up and found themselves in row F rather than row D. And it was just, it was just utter bedlam. But that, that has to be aye. God knows what that was like, 150,000? Yeah. With 52,000, you mean, yeah, definite madness.
1: Favourite kits? Scotland kits? Over the years? Been a few horrors, eh? <laughs> well, put it aside, if there was one that you could get remade, what would it be that's maybe not already been remade as a retro range?
4: What's the one of the 90s, the the white?
3: With the white collar round. Yeah, Paul's got that. The, the
4: really, it was totally different. I don't know if it was for the, was it for Italia 90? or? I can't, there was one that's a, It was a white-based one that had the kind of red and blue triangle, oh, the, triangle through it, but it was white-based rather than blue-based. And it had you know,
1: Purple and blue? No, purple and yeah, red. Yeah, it
4: was, I, I don't know if it was a nod to the rosemary colours, the original ones, but that was pretty retro. That's when you knew. That's that's definitely a retro one. I
1: feel old when it's like the 90s is retro, but it is true, isn't it?
3: <laughs> I, can't,
1: I can't, like, try and kid
4: on that it's not. But the standard blues, you know, that's where it comes from. You know? Can't beat that. Again, back to tinkering with something that's that's really they cool. broke. You don't want to miss the of blobby top back.
1: <laughs> or the Mattenberg? No. no, no.
3: The Mattenberg.
1: Um, right. Erin or Spot, you any questions before we finish off with uh, the slow fire stuff?
2: Um, no, no, I'm good. Please, please, could I ask um what your favourite pie is? Oh. It's a big question. It is a good one, isn't it? Everyone yeah. loves that
3: had a good like steak and peppercorn one at a football ground once so that was quite good that would be nice i do i do like most pies though it's I've, I've met very few pies i don't like so
1: do you like macaroni pie i
3: i mean i do i can eat a macaroni pie fine and a chicken curry pie and a i'm not mad about a donner pie
1: And they sell artists at Mullen, don't they? With pie, sports.
3: They do, they do serve the Donna pie.
4: I think they're all good. I, um, uh, steak, steak and gravy—you can't really beat, to be honest. But chicken, a chicken, a good chicken and meat pie is pretty good. I don't really check. I don't really see those very often. But um, yeah, I quite like a chicken and meat pie. So oh, different. Is,
2: these are the best ones. Steak and shoots
4: up St Johnston. Oh wow.
2: Yeah, chicken curry at Motherwell. Chicken haggis and peppercorn at Rose King Tea. Mm.
4: That's
2: being yeah, me hungry.
0: That's pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty
3: much right <laughs> uh, I can feel a poem about pies coming on. You need to send me the list, and I'll make it into. It. Oh,
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll send you That's all like, the best
3: pies and where they're from, and we can do a have, poem together. But all
1: the best Definitely. pies are in the in the lower leagues. I keep putting them in and A have...
3: collaborative, a collaborative
2: to... poem pie. Pie poem. Yes, we can do that and then we can have a special. Well, that would be good.
1: (laughs) Could you call it piety? No, (laughs) no.
2: Piety.
1: Kids are like a pie diet, doesn't it? (laughs) Are you on the piety diet?
3: Sounds a bit like piety. Yeah, a bit religious. (laughs) I think we'll do that. Yeah, we're definitely doing that. That's happening.
2: Oh, that would be brilliant. Two of my best things. I like a poem and I love a pie.
1: Thought <laughs> so, you any others at all? Any other questions? Yeah. No, I think we've covered most things. Right, okay. We've covered the fact that Graham's favourite drink might be whiskey. Is that right? I yeah. you, what's your favourite?
3: You see, <laughs> I know I don't look like, but I'm a pint drinker. <laughs> but I like of what? Well, I just a lag like I'm I'm fine with the tenants, I'm fine with a, you know anything lagerish um or i like a white wine i mean i could list a few more things but you know pretty much top five
1: as erin likes maybe a top five
3: a top five of drinks right
2: (laughs) i do like a top five
3: yeah i like a pint of lager would be my my first one i'd go a vodka coke would be my second i'd go a a dry rose wine, I quite like in the summer. Um, a Bailey's at Christmas. And then have I got one more? Aye, yeah. One more. I'd probably go, oh, I don't know. that might be me, top four.
0: Top four? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a change. You uh, change for the day? Graham, would you just be
4: five whiskies, eh? <laughs> Uh,
3: no,
4: I, I quite like, I actually see Quite Belgium. like a wheat beer, yeah, don't the, you? Yeah, the whiskey the v- is really nice Leffy And there's, uh, there's a few There's a few around that sort of area I quite like But yeah, whiskey is um, I just think it's so much for it I mean, it, yeah, lots of people are either a whiskey drinker Or not, but once you venture into that world It's Yeah, you sort of you just don't come back um, Yeah, Brendan, I was just about to say, yeah.
1: Don't but go yeah, back no. from the pub, because you've had
4: too many. Is what, <laughs> what happens. You lose a lot of yourself if you go too far on whiskey. But uh, no, it's um, no nah, quite, uh, quite like a glass of wine as well. Like nothing wrong with a good stuff red wine, you know. It's quite, quite, quite nice. The thing is, that's the good thing about the Hamden collection is sometimes you get nights out, but COVID killed. Most of it, Julie. No. We, know,
3: we had there. a few Zooms that
4: we were, got through and a few parts of mine. We've not done the... Uh, we've, not, we've not actually done the proper reunion.
1: Well, we, have COVID. Said, we have said to Lindsay when she was on that there needs to be some kind of like Glasgow football to our pub crawl. Well,
2: yeah. we've still not had our Christmas night out.
1: That's because folk don't answer when we go out. That's what happened. <laughs> if folk would answer, we'd, we'd have it sorted. We'll have it maybe by this, this
2: Christmas. Well,
4: yeah, I think we should have it. I'll send you my dates, I'm free. Okay, okay. I <laughs> think the organisers. But the, no, right. you start, we, we did the football square mile one, John, starting at McSorley's, because that was right beside yeah, East yeah. Tower Street. And you can start there, and we did... This was just the other week. And we only did two, to be honest, but, you know, McSorley's, and then we did the Drygate. There's two, and there's loads of stuff in between yep. those two to walk between East Tower Street and the Drygate, and then round sure there'll be a couple of pubs in Deniston you sweep, sweep round before you go to... It's like the St.
3: equivalent Park. of the sub-crawl, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Football, football square mile
1: one.
4: And a good thing, you yeah, no, no, don't need to go
1: to as many Rangers pubs. Yeah. Like, generally, sure. the sub-crawl is predominantly Rangers pubs. Yeah.
4: So, it's one of the many millions of things on the very, very, very long to-do list. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Aye, we don't need yeah, like, like, yeah. so, lists, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I'll like, eh? Um... Right, okay. Finishing off, then a best six aside Scotland team, and it could be mixed in terms of who you would have in your Scottish sits aside team.
3: I can't. I need to go second. I need some okay.
1: thinking time for
4: this, Graham. Uh, I'd probably start off. God, that's actually quite a tough challenge, isn't it? I'd probably put Big Jimbo Leighton in. Aye, Jim. Keeper.
1: Like Scott will know like that. Scott doesn't like Jim.
4: I do know. He's more an Andy Gorham fan. Yeah, yeah can actually that's, that's the era I grew up on. Right? But I mean, look at, but look at
0: if you look if you compare
4: Andy Gorham <laughs> with Jim Leighton there is no comparison. It's, this, it's,
1: is like this is like Scott's. torch. paper like uh, right? when you
4: uh, you go. Morocco, Morocco, you know, like it. This is I your... thought I'd throw it out there between an Aberdeen <laughs> fan and a Rangers fan. Morocco, quite a bit of
0: mischief. Morocco killed Jim Leighton's Scotland. Pedigree, as far as I'm concerned, that was it. That was uh, 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 to be fair, I don't blame Jim, I blame Craig Brown, and I like Craig Brown, but that was a horrendous decision. But yeah, well, there you go, Graham, you you pick Jim Leighton's son, on you go. Yeah, <laughs>
4: uh, I'm probably throw in Dennis Law, Kenny Dalgleish, Billy Bremner. Uh, who else have I got? So I need two more. Um. I'd throw in Alex Sheen just because it is who he is. Um and I'd probably put in Joseph Taylor because he's another one of those fat refresh Charles Campbell and Joseph Taylor because Captain Charles Campbell invented heading the ball. So he was the only one crazy enough to, to heed it. So um Charles Campbell throwing as well. Go back go back in the the Scotch professors. Okay, you've got made some time. of them.
1: Are you wanting to go more recent or are you going all-time as well? Oh, I don't Up know what you.
3: I'm doing here. I'm um,
1: not good on the spot. I'm sorry, um, sorry Julie.
3: That's all right. We'll go uh, Dennis Law, or Kenny Dalgleish, we'll go uh, Alex McLeish, we'll go uh, John McGinn and we'll go uh, Rose Riley.
0: I need a allowed one more, I think. Is that five? Yeah. That's five. You probably got a goalkeeper in there, hopefully. Aye,
1: let's get a Marshall in there. <laughs> 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 right. but like a set a side team, don't we? It could, have been, it could have been worse. It could have been 11. But, I know. But, but sometimes we have to do a wee on-the-spot on one just to uh, get you going. But I was you, all
0: right. Have you done an ad yet, John?
1: I've not done an ad. Like, I felt like when Graham said about the Blue Brazil it was prime for an ad, but it was a bit early.
0: <laughs>
1: so, but it ties in nicely with Scotland as well like blue Brazil we played them a few times in the world cup so we've got a new code as i said last week sff20 for 20% off and free shipping at uk.manscape.com so if you want your own wee cheeky blue brazil or not maybe a brazil yin get involved and get on the site um you'll get your lawn mower 4.0 you You've even get after Aftershave now, refined it's called. I finally sent out the prizes, by the way, for December. Remember that time we did the wee competition, Scott? Yeah. Aye, I finally got down to sending them out today, so they're on their way to Andy, Ethan, and Andy. Perfect. Andy's at one, so they're on their way out. Um, is Ethan not your son? Is that a different Ethan? Different Ethan. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you could have given us <laughs> a bit of luck, could you not? What's that? <laughs> you
0: could have given us a wee bit of if it was your son. He's old, he's he's old now. So but
1: aye, give I, think, young, I think Dundee Ethan is younger. Right. Okay. So there we go. But yes, the, the blue Brazil or not blue Brazil with that code. So, aye, I think that is us. I think that's it. That but we finished with an. Ad. I don't know if that's quite right to do that, but
0: yeah, there we go. Um, Could we have, have the guests explaining where people can find their? their tools and their poetry and definitely that is everything so graham where can they
4: where can they yeah so uh, graham brown you can find me find the hamden collection on facebook um go to www.hamdencollection.com you'll find all the poetry all the stuff are up to all the campaigns football square mile the bigger lines that we're announcing on friday go to twitter it's at hamdeners the H- Scotch professors at hamdeners um and uh, get in touch, because the more people get in touch and get on board and see the football tours, which are all this summer as well, which you can see between us and Glasgow Football Tour.
3: Yeah, and the poetry collection is in all of the same places. Um, Wider than that, I've got a poetry page on Facebook, just under my own name, Julie McNeil Poetry, if you want to look up for the things that I'm doing. And we're having an SFF
1: podcast poetry competition.
4: Yes. from
1: the back of this. tree. Aye, tree. I think it works, maybe. no, nah, I don't know. tree. Uh, I think it's all right. It's,
3: it's no. a bit like pie tree. It kind of works. Pie tray.
1: What could happen is folk could send us a poem and a picture of a pie. This is great. I love it. I see, there we go. We're sorted. The name works. Right, thanks to both of you for coming on. A pleasure. Uh, and we'll share your socials as well, obviously, online as well, because there's that many different ones where instagram and twitter and all that sorts i don't use facebook so but we'll put them out as well but cheers thank you again
0: that's
1: great cheers